Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. Glad you like the music, Karen. I do. I do. I'm Laura Headland. I'm a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person really excited about uh, several news items this week. Uh, First River First, um, a million dollar donation from Bank America. They're very close to their 18 million dollar goal. General Mills offered three million dollars earlier, and for people who want details, you can go to riverfirst.com. Minneapolis today benefits from the efforts of previous generations. We have the best in the nation park system because of the fruitful actions of generations of community leaders. But our shared legacy also carries burdens. The Twin Cities today has some of the worst racial disparities in the nation. A typical black household in the United States earns about 40% of the average earnings of a white household. Can urban agriculture be part of the equity solution? This is our topic today. How do we plan for urban agriculture? You know, the experts are saying we should get 20% of our land, uh, 20% of the food for the community within the community itself. That's that's a lot of uh, thinking is around that area. And um, so um, with us today in studio is Representative Karen Clark, founder of Sweetie Pie Project, Michael Cheney, and the CEO of Minnesota Sustainable Development Group, Clarence Bischoff. Um, welcome. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, so let's just go around the table and tell us a little bit about our backgrounds, or your backgrounds, and what brings you to this work, and, and Karen. Wow, what brings you me to, to this work? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm just... uh, well, um, a couple of things, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm a farm kid. Actually, I grew up, my parents were tenant farmers in southwestern Minnesota. Um, but I've been serving in the legislature for the last uh, 38 years. I'm going to be retiring shortly, but uh, I have spent the last probably – five or six, seven, maybe even go back eight years when I think about it with Michael here to help me remember the days, but uh, working on the issue of urban farming, um, uh, among other things. And for me, it's a very important um, environmental justice, food justice issue. And I guess I'll get to talk about the project, uh, the East Phillips Indoor Urban Farm as we go along. But I just want to say that, um, you know, this is all about... uh, community exerting its ability to feed itself. You were talking about the 20% that might be needed to help help us be able to have enough food and healthy food and, and, uh, and jobs. And the whole, the whole idea of, of uh, urban farming is something that Minnesota has um, taken on. We passed a law about three years ago that put the words urban farming into the state law. And then t- two years ago, we got some money to begin the pro- begin more of that project. But anyway, I'm I'm happy to be here with you and and the two other people here are both partners and folks that I'm pleased and proud to say I get to work with. Awesome, Mike. I think Karen hit the nail on the head. I as well am a farm kid, and so it's proof in the pudding that you can take the farm out of the country boy, but you can't take the country out of the the farm boy. So anyway, (laughs) I was born and raised in Wisconsin on a 140-acre farm and uh, three generations of farmers before that. And so um, I couldn't bring kids to the country, but I could bring the country to the kids. And so... In 2010, when North High was under attack and there were those uh, who uh, we had elected to serve us, had turned their back on that school and wanted to shutter it. And myself and others, Kali Graddick, Sam Grant, uh, Dr. Rose Brewer, Rose McGee, we were all sitting around commiserating about the threat and closing of the school. And I asked them uh, that if I could get the kids of North Minneapolis to start growing vegetables, uh, would they work with me to create an urban farm movement in North Minneapolis. It had really actually started early and about 15 years ago I went to Will Allen and I tried to get him to bring his curriculum and um, his expertise to uh, Northwest Wisconsin to my family farm. He wasn't in the financial stead at that time and so it was in 2010 that again I had to bring the country to the city and thus Project Sweetie Pie was born. The story of a community that comes together works together for the common good of the youth and families of its community for it takes a village to raise a child mm. ah, the story of a community coming together for the common good <laughs> mm. <sighs> yeah. yeah and i'm uh, clarence bischoff i'm the uh, uh chief manager of the minnesota sustainability uh group and also uh chief manager of uh, blue water farms uh, I, I i grew up in the country it wasn't a farm but i grew up in the country, and I, I came to this uh, love of the outdoors that I still have, and uh, I still live out in the woods. And uh, 
but that my my concern uh, really started uh, uh, in relation to the food system about uh, the, the year two thousand, and at that time I had uh, just read a book uh, called The Natural Step for Communities, and I quickly realized. Uh, that the global ecological issues are are driven by the food production system that we have, and uh, so I started on a, a series of projects uh, that um, finally led to the creation of the SDG to create businesses that help fulfill that vision of a local sustainable food system, and within that, uh, protein is key and. Uh, that led me to fish and to aquaculture, and that you know, blue water farms would be a major tenant of the East uh, East Phillips project, and we would uh, have a facility there of uh, uh, eighty thousand square feet, uh, two floors, uh, producing uh, the protein, walleye, and uh, and uh, plant products, uh, both fruits and vegetables. So uh, I believe that urban agriculture is the key to the future. So this proposal for the East Phillips Indoor Urban Farm also has affordable housing with gardens attached. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Affordable housing and gardens attached. That's correct. And And the Indoor Urban Farm would be, well, depending on whether or not we can win our struggle with the city, of Minneapolis, the city council, we're in the process of that, and hopefully we'll tell you a little bit more about that. But if we can, uh, at, when our struggle, we will have at least three acres of um, several ty- types of things going on. One will be uh, low-tech aquaponics, so-called low-tech. In other words, uh, people can start without a lot of education and, and learn how to grow fish. We would be growing, in the low-tech, we'd be growing um, yellowfin perch, and it's a closed... Um, Ecosystem where you're also, as a result of the uh, the fish are part of the system, and then there's vegetables that are in two or three different tiers that the water flows through the fish to the vegetables, and it, the nutrients are from the the waste from the fish become the nutrients for the vegetables, and the water they clean the water, which returns back down to the fish. And anyway, it's a it's it's a one way to do what was uh, discussed a little bit earlier by Clarence protein. I, I actually grew up fishing and it took me a while to get converted to the idea that you could put fish into this kind of system and that it would be humane and healthy but i again i um, attended a weekend conference with will allen and he talked about the fact that not all poor people are going to be vegetarians uh, and we need to grow our own food and this is fish are an important source of protein and and what's even more uh, important about this is that when you are growing fish in this type of a system you're guaranteeing that the water is clean. It doesn't have the mercury that our fish, that our rivers and lakes bring to our fish now. And so, um, in, in fact, you know, in Minnesota, you, you're really not supposed to eat more than like one, one fish a month from our natural waters if because can, of it, contamination. It, if we could learn from the patterns of how horrible our extractive nature has been to mm-hmm. our natural world and to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a repair project, right, Michael? This idea of repairing and creating sustainable livability in a in a holistic way well you know people like to say that you know low-income community residents that it's not um they're not environmentally interested in, in topics of environment and i and and they may be indeed right because the environmental movement has really been a closed gated community you know the purview of the educated of the uh of the wealthy and i mean the price of admission let's say you know 25 to fifty thousand dollars to get a bachelor's degree or a master's so the price of admission is very costly and yet if we are facing the tragic consequences that you know even trump's administration president trump recently came out in terms of what we must do to address climate change and global warming and the projects that we're talking about in this room the project in east phillips the project that we are trying to birth in the upper harbor terminal as well um, you know, I was approached by Thor Construction after, you know, seven years of tracking Robbie Norman and chasing him, stalking him around the community. <laughs> Say, you know, finally, why was I, as a, you know, volunteer, you know, pulling my hair out? Uh, you know, and I have dreadlocks, by the way, 40 years worth. <laughs> um, 
why am I killing myself to try to get people to realize that food could be a pathway to higher education, mm-hmm. it could be a pathway to prosperity. And so they asked me, well, would you be interested in doing a food hub in this um, Upper Harbor? And I said, no, I'm not interested in doing a food hub. I want to even go broader than that. I want to create a environmental impact center that would look at four principles. One would be food and urban farming. One would be historical preservation. One would be art and culture. And one would be all things ecological. We're on the headwaters of the Mississippi, the furthest metropolitan community, you know, and so we should be thinking about how can we lead the nation in these kind of critical conversations that uh, uh, Karen has been advocating, that Clarence has been advocating. We need to take these abstract issues, you know, these esoteric concepts, and we need to bring them down to earth where the, and make it a populist movement. Or otherwise, I th- you know, I think there's going to be dire consequences mm-hmm. for us all. You know, and that's it, a populist movement. Um, I, uh, uh, I think I, I want to make sure people know that we have a with the upper harbor terminal there is a mile long of riverfront property available 48 acres the city of minneapolis is an extremely rare and precious place with that type of land what is the how do we approach the planning of it how do we how do we how do we engage the community how do we come up with a vision that that functions for all well i think we have some yeah we're gonna have that's a big question we're gonna we're gonna take a little break now but we're gonna be back and we're gonna answer that question you're listening to food freedom radio on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota am i right brother malcolm indeed dr king try and see me Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. In the process of planning your next event, consider D'Amico Catering. Their team brings extensive experience and knowledge to the table to ensure that your event runs smoothly. With over 20 years of event planning and culinary experience, D'Amico has established their reputation as the Twin Cities' premier caterer. They've been trusted to carry out numerous weddings, corporate functions, and nonprofit fundraisers. D'Amico has the right staff to ensure your event is perfectly executed every time. More at D'AmicoCatering.com. This is Chad, owner of AM950. I've been telling you about my friends at Snap Construction who are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior construction company in the metro. Don't just take my word for it. Take a look at all their reviews online. Winter is the most cost-effective time of the year to complete your construction project. A majority of Minnesotans choose to have their work completed on their home in the summer when they should be enjoying the weather. As a result, the demand for labor in the summer is much higher. The most cost-effective way to improve or restore your home is in the winter due to the lower demand. Right now, Snap Construction is offering an additional 30% off of labor to the AM950 listeners on your next construction project between now and the end of February. Call 612-333-SNAP and mention AM950 for an additional 30% off. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Don't wait to get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available. Seward Co-op, serving the community for over 45 years, invites you to shop through two convenient locations. Seward Co-op stores are committed to local producers and food you can feel good about serving your family and guests. Pre-order your holiday meal from Seward, local free-range Ferndale turkeys, handcrafted traditional vegetarian, vegan, and made-without-gluten sides, perfect for everyone at your holiday gathering. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store at 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coop. Located just north of 50th in France, the Great Wall Restaurant has provided a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include hot and sour soup, pan-fried dumplings, and mushu pork with homemade Chinese pancakes. Stop by their Edina location or call for takeout at 952-927-4439. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. 
So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headline, and we're talking about um, moving urban agriculture forward. And um, in studio with us is Clarence Bischoff. He's the CEO of Minnesota Sustainable Development Group, Representative Karen Clark, and founder of Sweetie Pie Project, Michael Cheney. And we want to break, Clarence, you want to mention some good things? Yeah, yes, I, I think uh, uh, it's a very exciting time. Uh, Blue Water Farms uh, really represents uh, uh, what I sometimes uh, describe in, in shorthand uh, terms as as the Tesla of food production. Uh, and just as uh, we have with electric vehicles, we have uh, maybe 30 years of uh, technological development uh, that has made it possible for the Tesla company to be created and come forward with a wonderful vehicle. Uh, the same thing has happened with food production in aquaculture. Uh, over the last uh, 30 years, a lot of scientists and engineers have been working to uh, accomplish this goal of creating an indoor farm where we can uh, produce protein, the fish, and the plant products. Uh, you know, and these things are all uh, nutritious and tasty. Yeah, and the and the and thing it's sustainable. is and, and sustainable, and that's that's and my point is we can do this without any environmental harm, and we can do it right in the city, right, right in, the in, city. The city. in the city, right in so, the city, and, year and we round. can do it at East Phil year round, year round, with affordable housing with gardens on the top of the roof. Yes, there we go, and we and we can do the first one in East Phillips. We can do the second one. In the Upper Harbor, Ooh. we we uh, I put together the business plan. It's viable. I'm having the business plan now reviewed by uh, the the top professional experts in the country uh, in terms of uh, aquaculture and uh, uh, aquaponics and the finance and marketing. Uh, all of this, uh, we're ready to go. I'm also talking with investors who are enthusiastic about this project, uh, and uh, we're at the point of uh, uh, doing a closure, so we'll have the funding to implement this. And a large international company, Pantera, specializes in this, and it's headquartered here, and we have yeah. a working example in, uh, in Urban yeah, Organics that's now providing greens for us. And there's a very important meeting coming up on Tuesday, December 4th from 1.30, at the City Hall, Room 317, for the Ways and Means Committee on this yes. Tuesday, December 4th. Okay, so isn't the city saying, oh, wow, this is, like, awesome. This is like, this is, like, this is like the most wonderful thing in the world. I mean, what a wonderful win-win. So what's, what's going on? Well, I, I like your attitude, and I wish you had a vote because <laughs> we feel the same way. I mean, I, I feel like the, the coalition of people that have come together, the community-based coalition in South uh, Minneapolis in the, in the East Phillips is an asset. I mean, it's a gift that we're bringing to the city of people who have figured out uh, how to put together a whole plan on architectural drawings and everything. I, as a legislator, was able to get a little bit of funding from the state to help promote some of the the technical things that we needed to do in terms of drawings and planning and so on and community organizing. Um, but we need the city to make it all possible by letting us share with them some of the land that they have set aside for for what they call their public works department. And I have to say um, the history of this is kind of difficult because um, unbeknownst to this group of people that came together, started coming together for five, six years ago, um, got even funding committed and, and so on, and start, we started negotiating with the owner of what was then called the Roof Depot, uh, this is a building that used to be a Sears warehouse, and the, just to give you an idea of the square footage there, if you uh, laid it the IDS Tower flat, it would be like half of the IDS Tower. Okay. A lot of What's space. the street space for people to look at? They can. It's between 26 and 28th Street, and off of Longfellow, right off of Highway 55. Okay. So the the the. Greenway path goes right around this building. It's a, it is a historical building. It's an unusual building. It's got a whole curve to it that was, uh, Bell just got a uh, water tower, and it and we had. And the a, city wants to knock it down. Well, the city, yes, that's the short 
way to describe it. They want to take it down, um, and we want to preserve. We wanted the whole building. Uh, we would have a seven-acre site there if we had the whole building. But um, what we settled up with them, we compromised this group. Once the city actually um, used their powers of threatening eminent domain to the owner and wouldn't let the owner sell it to us, they bid up a couple more million dollars and sold it. The city bought it. And so we don't have the land to do this Dream so I want yet. to make sure I understand this. Okay, because there's – so a private group wanted to do this public good all with private dollars and the public community stopped them? Well, it was it's a, it's a nonprofit – yes, a coalition of, of like – about four or five different organizations. I'll just mention a few. Tamales y Bicicletas, which is a Latino group. Little Earth of United Tribes, they have an urban farm that they have been growing. They're very much a part of this. A Somali uh, recovery organization is part of it. And EPIC, East Phyllis Improvement Coalition, which really brings together all different cultures uh, and communities together, uh, really came together and said, let's let's – Let's take this spot and see if we can't do indoor urban farming because it's a huge building, great shape, doesn't have a lot of pollution in it. You know, it was just we had Will Allen come and look at it and he just said, this is great. This could be an indoor urban farm tomorrow. You could start just, you know, it was so clean and so ready to go. Unfortunately, the city did kind of take (laughs) the wind out of our sails because they uh, bought the land from the owner and um, before we – could complete our deal with them. And um, so they want to expand their public works department. And it's it's on the other part of that site. And why they have to do it there, I don't know. I mean, there's places all over the city <laughs> where there there isn't a huge, amazing building like this that they could expand. But they're, they're, so that's the what they want to do. to knock the building down. And their goal, as we now understand, is they would just knock the building down, uh, build new uh, facilities to park their trucks, to to <laughs> store their water pipes, even to store snow and uh, sand for the streets. And I heard something yesterday. We were t- they were talking about some other things they want to have there. But at any rate, they even talked about having voting ma- voting materials there and law enforcement materials. We just said, hey, we have an idea for community development. This We want to create good-paying jobs. We want to have people learning to grow their own food. It'll be a training opportunity um, on two levels, low-tech um, aquaponics, and then as Clarence was talking about, a higher-tech aquaponics, but also just a lot of other agriculture. And we we did this with a lot of careful thinking. We brought in people, like I mentioned, we had Will Allen come and talk with us. The folks who are involved, um, Chad Hebert, who has a lot of experience in his own um, aquaponics farm. I mean, there's just, uh, and Clarence, is with the work that he's described to you a little bit earlier, there are people in the community, like Tamales y Bicicletas has a, their, has a community garden, Little Earth of uh, Little Earth of United Tribes has their own community garden. There's people who have some expertise already in how to do this, brought this forward, put it down, you know, with, with architectural drawings, this said to the city, please, okay, if, if you have to do the, some of this project on this land, some of your expansion, can you scale your project back a little bit, and can we have some of the land? And we, we came down from seven acres to three. They said you can have 0.8 acres, which would really be nothing. Uh, then they said one and a half. We can't build a sustainable project with less than about two or three acres. Um, and you mainly want to keep the building we want to keep at least a portion of the building because we could start very quickly. It's in such good shape. We could start doing um, low-tech aquaponics in a few weeks. All right. Well, we are, we're going to take another break. and we're going to come back, we're talking about urban agriculture in Minneapolis and the potential of the East Philip Indoor Urban Farm and the potential in the Upper Harbor. And uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, The Progressive Voice. We were each called to this place, this time and the season. You may not yet know the rhyme. Looking to offer high-end restaurant-quality food at your next event? Look no further than D'Amico Catering. Their talented team of event planners and chefs will collaborate to perfect a menu that best fits your needs. Whether emphasizing local cuisine or ethnic flavors, organic bites or summertime favorites, they're here to give you choices that align with your taste, budget, and style. Interested in learning more? Please visit D'AmicoCatering.com. That's D'AmicoCatering.com. 
Seward Co-op, serving the community for over 45 years, invites you to shop through two convenient locations. Seward Co-op stores are committed to local producers and food you can feel good about serving your family and guests. Pre-order your holiday meal from Seward, local free-range Ferndale turkeys, handcrafted traditional vegetarian, vegan, and made-without-gluten sides, perfect for everyone at your holiday gathering. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store at 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at Seward.coop. I'm Connie Bjork, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. Join us next week as we talk about self-care, what it is, what it looks like, and what you can do for yourself. Even ways in which relationships that are not good for you can change how you do your self-care. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. As a family-owned business, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has been serving the Twin Cities since 1930. A new furnace or air conditioner from Standard Heating and Air can lower your monthly utility bills, administer more consistent temperatures, and even improve indoor air quality, making your home safer and healthier for the whole family. The average heating and cooling system lasts 15 to 20 years. So if yours is on its last legs, call Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve. Hi, Gregory Rich, owner of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style right here on AM 950. Hey, I've only got a few seconds, so here's the deal. Habitation is the coolest furniture store in town. Not only have we got some of the most exceptional furniture in the cities, but in many cases, Habitation can offer you store credit on your existing furniture. Stop in, talk to one of our designers, and let us help you make your home exceptional. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. You don't have to be an expert camper to enjoy the Boundary Waters. Big Bear Lodge is your home away from home that still lets you experience the Northwoods in authentic and modern woodsy cabins. Upon arrival, you'll be greeted by the owners whose priority is your relaxation. Take in amazing sunsets, stargazing, and moose viewing near the Gunflint Trail. There are free use of canoes and kayaks, guided pontoon tours, and private docks and fire pits. So come find your smile at Big Bear Lodge. More at BigBearLodgeMN.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Hawes. Saturday, snow, high near 34. Sunday, chance of snow, cloudy with a high near 31. And Monday, mostly sunny with a high near 26. The Nicollet Island Inn is celebrating the Feast of St. Nick, December 6th to the 9th, with a four-course special menu. Two for $89. The Christmas charm at the inn is tasty and beautiful. Don't miss this holiday experience. Make a reservation today with Open Table or go to nicolletislandinn.com. Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, and uh, we're talking about uh, the Roof Depot project, and we'll also be talking about Upper Harbor Project. There's an important meeting coming up on Tuesday, December 4th at 1.30 in the afternoon in City Hall at 317. And Karen Clark, did I understand, uh, Representative Karen Clark, did you actually get kicked out of a meeting? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was trying to have the correct interpretation of uh, an environmental justice law that I passed explained, and the person who was running the meeting from the city did not want me to speak. I was not allowed to speak, so I had to leave. This is is what I I, uh, find uh, um, unfortunate, maybe even outrageous here is uh, this is a, a, a wonderful project. Anybody who would take the time to listen to the people of the neighborhood, uh, Karen, for one, uh, Carol Pass, uh, Brad Pass, uh, who have put in uh, years and years of work uh, trying to fulfill this vision of, of an improved neighborhood. Uh, it's a wonderful story. And instead of people uh, inviting them in, and let's have a conversation about this and tell me what your dream is and uh, tell me about the benefits to the neighborhood. It, 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 the reverse has happened with with Karen with such a distinguished uh, career as a representative and and, uh, and a community activist was asked to leave the meeting. It, that has to be changed. That has to be changed. As Michael has made this point many times too, uh, you know, the most fundamental thing about a democracy is, uh, you know, the power comes from the people. And uh, have we forgotten that? So I, uh, I 
I hope, you know, I, I came into this uh, to help develop the, the high-tech part, of, and I'm very happy to do that, and I think we're, we're ready to move on that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm frustrated that uh, uh, the, the people of the neighborhood have not been treated uh, courteously and uh, invited in to tell the story so that uh, these, these, these topics are, are, are not the kind of topics that you can take care of in a minute. You, you have to have some in-depth discussion. And it's about people. This is a story about people, not about manhole covers and gravel <laughs> and, and diesel trucks and so on. I, I, I hope this happens yet. Well, you know, I think Clarence hits on a very salient point, you know, is that you've got to look at your, if you, you know, don't look at your past and you uh, are condemned to repeat it. And, you know, in helping birth the urban egg bill, like as Karen referred to, we worked, we've been a tag team for a while, you know, uh, we back in uh, four or five years ago, we approached the legislation with the idea of creating an urban egg bill so that we could create some revenues for youth programs around the state after four long years was finally passed. But that was just the beginning, unfortunately. And that we modeled after the work of Cleveland and Falwell, who at the turn of the century, you know, approached, you know, the aristocrats, you know, the real estate speculators, and said that if we don't preserve this land now, I want to read this. In February 1872, Horace W. Greeley trudged through the snowy streets of Minneapolis to the Pence Opera House. His goal was to deliver a speech convincing the city planners, wealthy landowners, and businessmen to work quickly on protecting and preserving the scenic beauty found throughout the growing cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. And it was because of their vision, because of their generosity and largesse, that we are now, you know, the number one city in the nation, the envy of the nation, because of their vision and their generosity of spirit. And they knew that if they did not preserve that land, that greedy speculators would usurp and extract that wealth for their own selfish gain. And so now, because of that vision, and so the whole origin of the Urban Egg Bill, for me, was as I was prospering because of their vision and their work 150 years, I wanted to pass it forward. Let's go fast forward in time. 150 years from now, a single mother with four children, even if she's allowed to have children then, you know, how are they going to feed their family? We don't know what the economics of those times will be, but we certainly ought to be you know, again, generous of spirit, humane enough to realize that food is life. And so I think that that was really, you know, the uh, impetus for the work. Unfortunately, what I call the most revolutionary part of the bill was extracted again. You know, they gave us, you know, half a million dollars for uh, populations of 10,000 or more around the state. But the really forward thinking aspect was to set aside and preserve land, you know, for the future so that people would have landmass to grow. And that was unfortunately taken down. And so I see that this is, again, a more repetition that, you know, there are those of us who are who really are humanitarians and who really value life and people's lives. And then there are those who think that it's all about profit and personal gain. And so there's been this longstanding fight and struggle. It's this, And that's why I've come to support East Phillips, of not only because I'm a resident in the Phillips community, not only because I've been an ally with Karen for the last 10 years, yeah. but because the projects, the project on the south side as the project on the north side are really mirrored reflection of the work of uh, Cleveland and Falwell, that we must build pathways to higher education. We must create, you know, pathways to prosperity. And both of these revolutionary, visionary projects that we are espousing are being are being betrayed by our supposed city leaders. Our city servants. Okay, so I encourage people to check out this institute called Presencing Institute. Um, and it talks, Otter Schomer, who often is in Huffington Post, talks about open mind, open heart, and open uh, will, which I actually saw on a T-shirt the other day. I was really happy about it. Mm-hmm. But so often in the conditioned mind, we're just relying on the past, and we don't stop to pause and say, hmm, what does make sense? 
urban agriculture is critical. And again, so many experts around the world. We, we, we can't rely on vegetables from California in a time of crisis. And we need to have livable communities. We need to find a different way to be. And how do we crystallize the future? And when we have really future forwarding processes like this, how do we open up the minds and the hearts so that, so that those voices can be heard? Well, I think one of the underlying principles that we're all coming from, uh, the three of us here, is the whole issue of justice. And, and I would say this is an environmental justice, a food justice issue. And our city does say, uh, both on the south side and on the north side, in both of these arenas, uh, that these these are green zones. And we um, want, the city says, we want to set aside these places to do exactly what you were saying, Laura, that there'd be a place where um, people can be growing their own food and they can plan for the future. So when there are crises, right, there's local food and local support. Um, so the theory is there, but the practice is what we're having trouble with because we know that um, we know what to do. And in fact, we have gathered assets to to do some of that. I, I have to say, I have great admiration for what Michael's been doing. He has brought together all different kinds of forces on the north side. We've done some of that on the south side. Um, we're ready to go forward. Just give us a chance. But what we need is land. I mean, land is um, well one of the one of the um, driving forces right now is certainly Little Earth of United Tribes, and we're on Dakota land in East Phillips, and we're. Very interested in in trying to uh, help uh, that community claim back some of its uh, self determination and ability. And you know, people have a lot of skills. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, some of the skills are being recovered. You know, they've been lost or set aside, and now they're being recovered. It's, it's very exciting to work with this group of people, uh, this grassroots group of folks. And we have some good city council members who are with us. We have others who are kind of thinking about it. Um, you mentioned the meeting next uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock. I want to invite everybody to come. We're hoping to have 100, 200 people there to remind uh, the Ways and Means Committee that uh, we're pretty serious about this. And please uh, vote. Don't vote to knock down that building. Please vote to give us the land. Just save the building. Don't knock it down. You don't need to. <laughs> well, I, I just want to tag on to what. Uh, Karen is saying, I am relatively new to the project, and I've been brought in to do the high-tech part of it. Uh, and uh, I, I used to live in Minneapolis. I, I live in the country now. Uh, but uh, the, the point I want to make is that I, I have met some of the council people uh, recently. I've met some of the people from the water department. Uh, you know, the, uh, And uh, uh, my impression is uh, very likable people. Yeah, I, I would hope that we could find a way to get through this impasse. Uh, we should not be fighting with one another. We should be working with one another. Uh, I think if we had real discussion, we would quickly find that we share uh, the same values. We share many of the same goals. We could we could work together and uh, get past this uh, unfortunate uh, uh, period that we are in right now. And I think, I think uh, as, uh, again, as Karen has mentioned, you mentioned too, this uh, meeting coming up on the 4th could be a turning point. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, you know, we pride ourselves, again, given it's actually the work of getting Cleveland and Fowler, and I can't say that enough mm-hmm. because they set the set the tone and set the tenor. We can build all the bike paths in the world, you know, but if we don't really value this kind of infrastructure creation that really, really will kind, kind of restore our great heritage as leaders in the ag sector, industrial, in, industrial ag, you know, home of General Mills, home of Cargill, home of Land of Lakes, you know, I mean, our history in this community, again, sailing up the Mississippi, you know, landed probably on the Upper Harbor, and yet we want to turn our back on all of that all of that, even forgoing the sanctity of the river. I think that, you know, that there's movements around the world to create, you know, natural environment personhood, you know, personhoods. And so I'm really advocating for that kind of vision. It aligns itself with the green zone. And let me, for those of you who haven't heard about it, let me just, I am an EJC green zone advisory member on the north side. And so I wear multiple hats, executive director of Project Sweetie by EJCC uh, member, uh, uh, green zone north side advisory council so we they've set up all of this 
uh, structure to really get input from residents, you know, the South Side Green Zone as well. And yet they ignore, they deny, you know, they refute the visions of the residents who have birthed these incredible organic ideas. And so this Green Zone resolution that's been passed on the South Side, passed on the North Side, clean up soil and water contamination, improve air quality, livability, and pollinator habitat. Increase green jobs and career opportunities. Increase access to healthy, affordable food by supporting local systems of growing. Foster community healing from historical trauma and root shock. Advance environmental awareness and education in community and schools. And so the language is there. It's talk is cheap. It's time for our city founders, fathers, leaders, servants. You know, I like to say that we are all environmentalists. We're either good stewards or bad stewards. And so the whole Upper Harbor, you know, we say, you know, instead of 48 acres and a mule, let's do 48 acres and a school that would really help create the infrastructure to really train the next generations of food producers in America. Awesome. And again, that that meeting is Tuesday, December 4th at 1.30 at City Hall, room 317, and we'll be back after this break. As well as raise funds. In the process of planning your next event, consider D'Amico Catering. Their team brings extensive experience and knowledge to the table to ensure that your event runs smoothly. With over 20 years of event planning and culinary experience, D'Amico has established their reputation as the Twin Cities' premier caterer. They've been trusted to carry out numerous weddings, corporate functions, and nonprofit fundraisers. D'Amico has the right staff to ensure your event is perfectly executed every time. More at D'AmicoCatering.com. Lowry Hill Meats, your neighborhood full-service butcher shop that works directly with family farms. Using whole animals gives Lowry Hill Meats the benefit of preparing custom cuts and dry aging. They offer beef, lamb, goat, pork, and poultry, including whole duck, roasting hens, turkey, quail, pheasant, and Cornish hens. Their sausages are made fresh in-house weekly using 40 rotating recipes. Try their handcrafted sandwiches. They are second to none. Lowry Hill Meats is located at 1934 Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis or online at LowryHillMeats.com. Total Dog Company is the destination dog food and gear store on the west side of the Twin Cities with easy access off of 169. We have a growing group of loyal customers and increasing numbers of referrals from dog professionals and dog parents because we carry quality products, give sound advice, and are easy to do business with. Total Dog Company keeps up on the latest developments in dog nutrition and products. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Hi, this is Jen of Vandalia Glassworks in St. Paul. We're an independent glass studio celebrating the art of making beautiful glassworks. This ancient skill of creating art from fire is something you can learn to do through the Blow Your Own Glass class classes. Learn to make an elegant glass paperweight, and advanced classes will teach you how to make tumblers and other pieces of art. Consider giving the gift of experience during the holidays. Sign up with friends and family to create artistic glassworks together. More at VandaliaGlassworks.com. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. So welcome back to, uh, to Food Freedom this Radio. We've been talking about urban agriculture and the fact that public land should be used for public good. Public land for public good. Um, and so, Michael, touch on um, the Upper Harbor. 
Well, again, you know, I refer to it, it's 48 acres, the largest contiguous prop piece plot of land uh, in the nation on the Mississippi. And again, uh, so here's this phenomenal, I refer to it as our Panama Canal. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And um, I started working on it about a year ago because I wasn't interested in having developers or city leaders minimize the opportunity that here was an opportunity us for not only a north I don't see it as a north side project I don't see it as a Minneapolis project just simply a Minneapolis project I see it as a national in scope opportunity that here's a chance for us as a community to really lead the charge for the nation global warming is whether or not uh, you know President Trump and them want to acknowledge it, it is real. And uh, there's all, all this movement about resiliency hubs. I I think that we need to think about that in terms and the resources that are going to be coming down in some of the revenue streams in the future as we see more and more calamity, natural catastrophes. That we really need to think about the East Phillips Epic Project and the Upper Harbor projects. Let's see if we can weld these projects together and really start thinking holistically, really start thinking, you know, uh, regionally in terms of how can we take some of those resources and build these sites as resiliency hubs, as both of my colleagues here have referred to it, is let's start thinking smarter in terms of how we align resources, how we share, you know, unfortunately, capitalism is very is very competitive, and I think that that's been the uh, result of the see the downturn in America and the divisiveness is that we have to take a much more global view in terms of all of us as being global citizens, and that we're in concert with each other, we're collaborating with each other, and so in I see that the upper we're not things. I mean, we're not things. We we are unfortunately we have a conditioned culture of objective consciousness where we're all been thinganized, and and there's a lot of. (laughs) trauma there. But you and I went to that Permaculture Action uh, Day about two weeks ago, and it was so awesome. The the music group Rise in Appalachia has been touring, and they're talking about resilience. And there are hundreds of people getting together, making a meal, figuring out solutions. That's what's going to move us climate forward. Well, it, it, I'd like to just emphasize that. That's what I, I come back to all the time. Uh, we have serious problems, uh, you know, the, the global ecological issues. Uh, they're very serious. They're they're posing an existential threat. This is acknowledged by everybody. Uh, who's uh, all the scientists have come together with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. It's it's well understood. Has been understood for many years. Um, and the, the problems are serious, but the solutions can be fun. They can be fun. <laughs> the solutions can be fun. <laughs> that, that is, you know, like you, you mentioned uh, the Permaculture uh, Action uh, Day. Uh-huh. Uh, what a wonderful event, and what a nice positive feeling about the event. And everybody right. was uh, enjoying meeting one another and thinking about. It was like, I found out where the hippies all went. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a great time. And I I met several new people there, and we've been in contact. But the point being is the problems are uh, serious. They're they're posing an existential threat. Food is the nexus of this. And the resolution uh, of the issues uh, with the right community approach can be fun. It can be fun, enjoyable, meaningful, uh, in, in every every possible way. Uh, with Blue Water, with uh, East Phillips, we're we're thinking about uh, creating 43 jobs there, and we're talking with the uh, Minneapolis uh, Culinary uh, uh, Section, and um, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities there of using the farm for. Uh, for education, you know, to prepare people for uh, uh, high-tech jobs, uh, also to uh, and affordable housing with gardens oh, on oh the goodness, roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you that's know. really and this is really affordable housing. It's it's uh, the lowest income 
type of housing that that we get public subsidy for in Minnesota, 30% of the uh, area median income. That's the type of housing we'd be creating. I think just one more point to, meant to emphasize here, building on what Clarence is saying, um, this can be fun, but I have to say it's also going to be life-saving. This, after all, is yeah. dealing with two – we're here talking about two of the very lowest income communities in the city of Minneapolis – you know, where the North Harbor is and close to communities there and, and in the east side of Phillips, east side in South Minneapolis, we're talking about a majority of communities of color and indigenous people who are at very low incomes, often without jobs, and many, many children. And, you know, people who are there are ready and willing to, to go into the some economic opportunity. Uh, there's just so many creative ideas. I just have to say I was sitting over at Little Earth talking with Jolene Jones, who's the uh, one of the leaders there, and just talking about how the, how the children at Little Earth are learning how to grow uh, vegetables in, their, in the garden that uh, is back by the freeway wall. Um, they've been doing that for a while. That organization that I work with called the Women's Environmental Institute, which I should mention, helped them get that farm going and you know this is all doable those children were loving what they were doing they were having fun (laughs) they were learning to eat um, vegetables that they really weren't too interested in before but once they had their hands growing them they wanted to eat them and I I think there's just you know the ability to really help people um, change their lives I think of food justice as a strategy towards dealing with environmental justice and there's justice. a working example that comes to my mind I wish I could remember their exact name but uh, they were in Seward Community Co-op and they make the samosas mm-hmm. the yokom I think and, and I, I bought some of those they're fantastic and those those people are now making substantial amount of s- samosas that are being sold in the yes. co-ops and so that type of food system creates livable wages and, and it but you're right it's almost the mood of the entire community and the mood that we felt at that permaculture action day and and how we kind of rise up and create something better for the next generation yeah and i, I think we, we we should probably mention that right next door to uh where we plan our project uh we have this uh, uh tent city yeah. you know it's uh it, it's, a, it's a tragedy and people there, one of the things that we've talked about is that some of them would be eligible to come in and learn some of the low-tech jobs right away. There's probably some probably pretty skilled people there, too. Um, but they're interested. Uh, folks need an opportunity to do this kind of work, to have the hope that comes from being able to feed yourself and feed your community. And, you know, I, I, I think we're all, the three of us are, are people who work a lot on hope. We don't give up. We're pretty persistent. <laughs> uh, and that and that's because of the, I think because we are so closely connected to our communities, which are wonderful people. Well, it's been an awesome conversation. Um, it's gone way too fast. But again, Tuesday, December 4th, 1.30, Minneapolis City Hall. Show up to the Ways and Means Committee um, and um, help protect um, this potential of an, uh, East Phillips indoor farm. Don't let them knock down the buildings. We can keep the building up. Have affordable affordable housing that's right that's right (laughs) or we could just make developers we give them like two hundred thousand dollars per unit to make affordable housing for us (laughs) that doesn't sound affordable I'm Connie Bure, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. Join us next week as we talk about self-care, what it is, what it looks like, and what you can do for yourself. Even ways in which relationships that are not good for you can change how you do your self-care. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life.